Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. And I'm your other host, Amanda Bible Williams, and this is week two of our series, Do Not Fear. That's right. A biblical study on responding to God's faithfulness. This study, it's getting us, isn't it, Rachel? It's, um, <laughs> my goodness, I, this is going to be one that's not going to go too far away from me. Yeah, it has I'm our number, keep it handy. as they yeah. say. Uh-huh. And this week, it is such a joy to welcome a local pastor from here in Nashville, Travis Garner, as our guest today. Travis is the pastor of the Village Church here in Nashville. They just recently moved into a new church building, which you'll hear him talk about some. But Travis is a self-proclaimed practitioner of fear. That's right. And we'll talk about that too. But guys, we all fear something sometime, right? And it manifests itself in different ways in our lives. And this study has been so powerful for us to just look at who God is and how we as followers of Jesus can respond differently to fear, not because of who we are, but because of who He is. That's right. And who we are in Him. That's right. So this is just a really good conversation that encouraged us personally, and we're excited for you to hear it. So let's get to it. Welcome, Travis Garner. We are so excited to have you here this week. It is so good to be here. I love what you guys do. I was really humbled to get the invitation, so thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for saying yes. Thanks for saying yes. Yeah, Listeners, you may or may not know that we do like a pre-interview interview with our guests from time to time where we kind of like send them a little survey and they send us a little info about them. And even before we hit record, Travis, you referred to yourself as a practitioner of fear. I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very good at it. Yeah. So this Do Not Fear series, you're like, okay. This is perfect for me. Yeah. I actually thought that's why you invited me on. Like <laughs> maybe my, just, like, kind of see yeah, maybe my friends had gotten to you. My wife had called yeah. you, said, can you talk to him about fear? Maybe have an intervention or something like that. So that's actually what is. that not is. what we're, I, that's what I thought. That's what I, that's what I thought. Yeah. And that is exactly it. That's what we like to do is really dig deep into people personally think, before no, they that's, know that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you yeah, for that. For I'm that. looking forward to that. It's one of the many services we <laughs> offer. <laughs> okay. And so here you are, week two of the Do Not Fear series for the She's and the He's. Yeah. And of course, last week we talked with Sissy Goff and kind of kicked off the series. We get to week two. And last week we read from the table of contents, which I joked was like what you do in a filibuster. But Truly, the table of contents in this three-week series are reasons not to fear. And these reasons have nothing to do with our present circumstances or something within us that can be mustered by us. Amanda, read us us our table of contents for this week. I have it ready for you. Do not fear, for he is present, for he will fight for you. For he sees you and hears you. It's one of my favorite days. I'm so excited to get to it. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. For the battle is his, for he can be trusted. Mm. That's right. I mean, y'all, that's a week. That's good stuff. I am yeah. sto- I'm really excited for you all to read through this. And y'all remember from last week that these reading days that you're going to have this week, in this particular reading plan, each one begins with a narrative, a narrative right. you know that is very directly related with fear in most cases where there is fear within the main character and then God... Is who he is. Is who God is God. Yeah. And so, what we won't do in this podcast episode is read the full narratives of each of these days because that's what you get to do this mm-hmm. week. But we're excited to talk about them. Yeah, they're uh, so good. I'm excited about the Hagar day. I just love that day. I've kind of just always loved her story because yeah. for all the reasons that we'll get to. But we start this week in day eight with the story of. Let me look. Who's day eight? It's Elijah at Mount Carmel. Yes. Okay, let's... I'm always so tempted to read the whole thing. Travis, will you give us a summary of that story? I mean, it's not a boring story. It's, it's not, not a boring I'm excited. story. It's and not it's, a boring story at yeah. all. Yeah, and if you're listening to this the day this releases, you're going to get to read this whole thing today. Yeah, but give us the summary. It's so good. So it's kind of a, a contest between the gods, right. so to speak. And so Ahab summons all the prophets of Baal or Baal or which, by the way, my biblical pronunciation rule of thumb is say it with confidence and nobody will question you. And so that's our rule too. I think that's good. Yeah. So Ahab summons all the prophets of Baal and Elijah comes as well. And they have 
essentially a competition right. where Elijah challenges the other prophets and says, pray to your God. They set up an altar with a sacrifice. And he says, pray to your God and see if your God will send down fire to light the altar. Right. And so... And they agree to this. They agree to this. Like, they sure. agree to this competition. And I like it because you get to see Elijah talk some trash it's in the middle of, so in the, middle of the competition. I think... Wait, you can know, we read the trash? Because that's the funny part. Oh, let's see, where is it's that? Right it starts here. in it's verse right 27. Here. In 27, he says, At noon, Elijah mocked them. He said, Shout loudly, for he's a god. Maybe he's thinking it over. Maybe he has wandered away. Or maybe he's on the road. <laughs> that's my favorite part. <laughs> Perhaps he's sleeping and will wake up. Anyway. And then they like they were like, yeah. So they shouted loudly. <laughs> yeah, so they, they do all this, they they do all this stuff. They cut themselves and nothing happens. It says in verse 29, no one answered, no one paid attention. Yeah, that's... Um, that's heartbreaking. So and true. It is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Let's then Elijah... Sorry, that was uh, verse 29. That's okay. 29, yeah. Then Elijah gets his turn and he arranges all the wood and he digs a trench around and then he has them bring water out and they mm-hmm. pour water on the sacrifice, they pour water on the wood. It's almost as if Elijah is saying, I want to prove that there is no other way that yeah. this is happening. yeah other than the power of God. That's right. And Elijah calls on God, and God sends down fire, and it ignites the altar, ignites the wood. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, that's how the contest ends, so to speak. And it's beautiful because, where is it? Like verse 36-ish. I like that he says, this is not a competition between you guys and me. Yeah. This is, like he says, today let it be known that you are God in Israel. He's praying that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant. That's right. And that at your word, I have done all of these things. So like, let's not get mistaken. Let's not praise me at the end of this. And then he said, answer me, Lord, answer me so that, and we always love a so that in scripture, answer me so that this people will know that you, the Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Yeah. Yeah. Then the Lord's fire fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and it licked up the water. What a good that yeah, That's a great image. The yeah. trench. When all the people saw it, they fell face down and said, the Lord, he is God, mm. capital G. Mm-hmm. The Lord, he is God. That's right. I mean, what a showdown. And then it doesn't end for Elijah. Like, it's not no. like, and then they lived happily ever after and everyone was converted. Like, it yeah. goes into now his life is in danger. Yes, it is. That's right. So, it's this amazing juxtaposition of this amazing victory right. that he has, mm-hmm. followed by verse three in chapter 19, That's just right. after this story. So, Elijah then flees for his life. And it says, then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. And so it's this picture of great victory followed by great fear. And I was thinking about that in terms of my own, like my own life experience. It feels like either on the verge of or immediately following some kind of great spiritual victory or some spiritual high, there's almost always spiritual attack. I've experienced that in my own life where, you know, we'll have something amazing happen or we'll be on the verge of some significant day in our church And I'm just gripped with fear before or after that. I just feel like that's such a commentary on on life in this story. Yeah. And his fear is so intense. It says in verse 4, he sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He -hmm. said, I have had enough. Mm -hmm. Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors. And the angel of the Lord comes to him and touches him. There's encouragement here. There's encouragement in like... You know, we think of Elijah as this great man of God, and so what a guy. But he's he's also, he is just a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he experiences all of the human emotion Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that that we do. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and he's saying the unthinkable. Right. Like, this is not metaphor. Like, he's saying the thing that, you know, some of us listening have thought Mm -hmm. and have been afraid to say out loud, like, I've had enough. I don't want to do this anymore. And I think it's so important in in a study on fear that we're reading this passage where Scripture is acknowledging that fear can be so consuming that you just want it to end. Mm -hmm. And to know and to hear, like, hear me, people within the sound of my voice, God hears that cry, yes. and that is what we are to do. Say the unsayable things to mm-hmm. God. Yeah, that's right. Because He hears it. We're going to read more about how that's He right. hears and mm-hmm. sees. And I'm so 
I'm so thankful for these really, these pictures of these really hard moments in scripture because it's God acknowledging that even the best of us mm-hmm. have the worst. Mm-hmm. Those valleys that are so dark and so deep, you cannot imagine coming out of them. And I mean, we see in Elijah's story that the presence of God is no more real in the mountaintops than it is in the valleys. Like, yeah, he's up there on the mountain licking the water up with his fire. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then he is down there, the presence of God. It says, suddenly an angel touched him. The angel told him, get up and eat. And the angel provided food. And then then later on in verse 8, then on the strength from that food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. Man. The a, 40s in Scripture. The 40s in Scripture. A long time. A very, That's what 40 means. <laughs> a the, very a, a, long time. Just to yeah. be clear, on the food that he ate that day, he walked. So, like, there was no other food. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. I don't like 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's fair. Yeah. We do. Here at She Reads Truth, as an aside, we really enjoy our lunches. We love a mm. snack. We love, we love a, a lunch snack. event. We provide snacks yeah. for our team. We begin talking about lunch sometimes around 10 a.m. No, what? I'm only here because I thought there was lunch yeah. immediately yeah, yeah. following. We already recording. placed our that, lunch orders. We it's can good. arrange we that. Can, we can get you, I think it's Chick-fil-A day. So is, get excited. This is not an advertisement, but it could be Chick-fil-A. <laughs> you just let us know. Um, I love this in verse 10. I know we need to keep trucking, but... Where Elijah says to him, because the word of the Lord, sorry, this is actually verse nine. Suddenly the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of armies, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they are looking for me to take my life. Gosh, it feels like that. I alone am left. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like that. So often, it's not true. It's not, but it's it not, feels it's not true. true but it's it never feels true. So true, but it feels so true. That loneliness is very real, especially in the work that Elijah was doing, and I imagine in the work that you do, Travis. Yeah, there's yeah. probably a lot of loneliness in the position of yeah, pastor. Definitely. Yeah. But I love what happens next. Yeah. yeah. Where God tells Elijah, "Go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence," and at that moment, the Lord passed by, and you might expect especially after what happened in the previous chapter, you might expect the Lord's presence to be some big, booming event. Mm -hmm. And I love that it's not. Yeah. Um, (laughs) There was a a fire, but it was not, you know, earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And then there was a soft whisper. Mm -hmm. And that's where the presence of the Lord is. And I, I just love the image of a soft whisper because that's produced by just a faint amount of breath. Yeah. And, and for me, it's just kind of this yeah. reminder that, you know, God's as close to us as our breath. And so even in the moments when we feel like we're right. alone, yeah. every time we breathe, you know, the presence of God is actually filling our, our lungs. And I think there's some power in that. I love that. And then the follow-up scriptures for this day, the Psalm from Psalm 56, this is actually something that I, my daughter Hazel had probably a couple years ago walked through several nights in a row of just afraid at night, you know, Mm -hmm. that gets us all at any age. And so we painted, we watercolored one afternoon and I had her kind of do her version of like a hand lettering from Psalm 1. It was just kind of like a, let's spend some time, let's Mm -hmm. meditate on this. But then she keeps it still right next to her bed, verses three and four from Psalm 56. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God, I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Mm-hmm. It's funny because the backstory of the fear was that there was this in Nashville, this was several years ago, there was this escaped convict. Uh-huh. And like he was on billboards. Like we're all looking for this guy. And like it was like not even that big of a deal to me, but my kids like still remember his name. Like yeah. they were gripped with fear. They wouldn't go in their yards. Like this became a very real thing to them. And so that was part of it. Of just like that line of what can mere mortals do to me. That's hard for a little kid yeah. to understand, but but we combat fear with truth. Yeah, that's absolutely. what we do, even and when I, we're little. If you think about David, David wrote this psalm. David's the greatest king, the greatest leader in the history of Israel. And in verse three, he says, "When I am afraid, not if I am afraid." <laughs> that's right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. That, You're right. I mean, fear is something we are all going to deal with mm-hmm. at some time or another, and most of us often. Uh huh. And David says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. And so he kind of sets up this continuum between fear and trust. Yeah. Makes you wonder, like, where did we learn along the way that feeling fear is some sort of failure? 
I mean, especially for men, I think, you know, and I don't know yeah. because I'm not one, but like, I, <laughs> I feel like it's seen as, and maybe, I don't know if this is fair to say, but maybe especially in the church, because we want to, you know, well, just do not fear. Yeah. Right. It's the yeah. name of our study. Right. It's also the reason that we gave it the subtitle we did, a biblical study on responding to God's faithfulness. So it's not a like a how-to of how to just not feel afraid. It's not a corrective or a shaming of like, how dare you? Right. Yeah. Instead, yeah, yeah. David says, I love that you pointed that out, when I am afraid. When I am Because afraid. we will be. Yeah. All of us. Mm-hmm. Well, and you all may have talked about this in the previous week, but that's the most frequent command in the entire Bible. Mm-hmm. Do not be afraid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the reason for that is God knew we would be afraid people. Right. Right. That's <laughs> there's, not there's accidental. A, it's yeah. not accidental uh-huh. that the most common command in the entirety of Scripture is don't be afraid. Don't and it is afraid. almost always followed with, again, yep. it has nothing to do with, because it's going to be okay. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's most commonly because, because of me. I will be with you. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then we get to day nine, do not fear for he will fight for you. And I love this story of Nehemiah. We haven't read Nehemiah as a community in a while. Let's bring that back. Yeah, it's been a while. It's it's historically one of our favorites. It is. So this story, again, I'm fighting the urge to read everything. All of it. Oh, but it's just so think about good. how much they're going to love reading it themselves. I know. You guys know. are going to love reading it. I know. But in Nehemiah, you know, he was an exile and a cupbearer to the king. And it says early in chapter two, I had never been sad in his presence. So the king said to me, why do you look so sad when you aren't sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. And Nehemiah says, I was overwhelmed with fear and replied to the king, may the king live forever. Why should I not be sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And what comes of that conversation is a bold request. He says, and I love this, actually, I was going to summarize, but I'll read this. It says, then the king asked me, well, what is your request? And Nehemiah says, so I prayed to the God of the heavens and answered the king. Yeah. Do you love that? I love that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, so I answered him. Yeah, so I answered him whatever I thought. No. It's like, no, 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 no. He okay. sought the Lord in that yes. split second. So I prayed to Lord, the God of the heavens. please help me now. The king is asking, what is <laughs> right, my request? Right. What do I ask? Is it like, I'll be fine. I just need a minute. Yeah. Or is it like, no, I'm going to go big. I'd like to go back and I'd like to rebuild that wall. Absolutely. Mm. I love the detail there. That he, I don't he think prayed. I've ever noticed that. Yeah. I'm glad you kept reading. So the story of Nehemiah, again, highly recommend. But good story. We, good story. But what happens is the the rebuilding begins, but it is fraught with just mm-hmm. like attacks on every side or threats of attacks on every side. And it's a very, very scary time for the people of Israel. The people, uh, you know, the enemies are watching and going like, you'll like first just mocking, like you'll never do this. And then they're like, oh my word, they've like united the walls and they're halfway up. Yeah. Like we got to do something about this. Like we got to up our game. And they get a little mean, and everyone keeps going in the midst of the fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then verse 9, just in the face of all the fear, again, so we prayed to our God. That's, that's, right. that's kind of the theme throughout. Like, I'm afraid of the king. I'm afraid of my answer. So I prayed, and then I gave him an answer. Yeah. We were so afraid of the what? threats. So I so prayed. So we prayed. Yeah. <sighs> that's yep. so good. I didn't notice that one. I'm glad you added that. You know, kind of all the way down... Nehemiah, it's a first-person account, this book. And so he says, After I made the inspection, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord and fight for your countrymen, your sons and daughters, your wives and your homes. You mentioned a minute ago, Travis, that do not be afraid is the common command of Scripture. And then we were saying, like, and it's followed by something. And here, do not be afraid. Remember Remember. the great, inspiring Lord. Right? Yeah. It's not just like, stop being so scared. Right. Just take a deep breath. You're fine. It's yeah. no, no, no. Don't be afraid because you can remember all of the things that God has done to get us to this point. Yeah. And, and remember it, that God has been faithful and remember that God has been good and remember that, you know, right. it's like, exactly. What are the greatest hits of what God has done? Let's think about those things. Yeah. Yeah. Because then that gives us context for what God is probably about to do now. Exactly. Yeah. 
I love that it wasn't like, don't be afraid. Remember that great and inspiring Lord. And everything was fine. Instead, it was like, okay. And then it says in verse 16, from that day on, half of my men did the work while the other half held spears, shields, Mm -hmm. bows, and armor. The officers supported all the people of Judah who were rebuilding the wall. The laborers who carried the loads worked with one hand and held a weapon Mm. with the other. Mm. Each of the builders had his sword strapped around his waist while he was building, and the one who sounded the ram's horn was beside me. And it goes on, and there's a plan, and it's like if you hear a ram's horn, like rush toward it, like that means we're being attacked there, but they're so spread out trying to do this building that they can't even hear each other's voices. They have ram's horns so mm-hmm. that they can go help if there's an attack. Yeah. And what we're after here is, you know, how? How are they able to do this? It's because we remember our great and awe-inspiring God. And it says right after giving that instruction in verse 20 of chapter 4, yeah. wherever you hear the sound of the ram's horn, rally to us there. Our God God will fight for us. That's so good. So we continued the work, while half of the men were holding spears from daybreak until the stars came out. Our God will fight for us. So they are fighting for themselves. So this is the other thing that, you know, I love about all these narratives that we're digging into, because very often there is a directive and it's an Mm action-oriented directive. Like, you know, we'll read later Joshua being commissioned, and it's like, he's clearly being sent by the Lord to do something, and we'll read about Moses. and Like, they have things to do, but the reason they can do the thing is because the Lord has said, do not fear for a plethora of reasons, because I am who I am, right? Like, I am who I say I am. And what you said, that I think that leads into the First Chronicles story, but after that, 28, when David says to Solomon, be strong and courageous... And do the work. Do the work. Do That's the right. work. That's right. Yeah. We like that phrase these days, and I, I enjoyed seeing it here in this context uh-huh. because it just felt like, yeah, that's the way we use that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be strong and courageous and do the work, mm-hmm. the work that the Lord has set that's right. before us. And y'all, I'm telling you, it is taking all the restraint in the world not to read every word on this page because so Psalm 27, <laughs> you know what? It's called the She Reads Truth Podcast. Can we just read Psalm 27? I think yeah. it'd be good. Yeah. Will you read that for us, Travis? Absolutely. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom should I dread? When evildoers come against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. Though an army deploys against me, my heart will not be afraid. Hmm. Though a war breaks out against me, I will still be confident. I have asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, Mm. gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking Him in His temple. For He will conceal me in His shelter in the day of adversity. He will hide me under the cover of His tent. He will set me high on a rock, and then my head will be high above my enemies around me. I will offer sacrifices in His tent with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Lord, hear my voice when I call. Be gracious to me and answer me. My heart says this about you. Seek his face. Lord, I will seek your face. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not leave me or abandon me, God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord cares for me. Because of my adversaries, show me your way, Lord, and lead me on a level path. Do not give me over to the will of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, breathing violence. I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, David, for that. I love that. (laughs) I was thinking about that last part, wait for the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is not something that any of us like to oh, do. Oh, I'm not good. At, I'm not good at that. <laughs> I'm not good at not that a at big all. Fan. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was Nikki Gumbel who is uh, with Holy Trinity Brompton, the Alpha Church mm-hmm. in London. I mm-hmm. think he said God is never in a hurry, but He's always right on time. Yeah, and um, that's accurate. I need to be reminded of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the always yeah. right on time part. That's right, the right. hard part to remember, but it's not ever been not true. Psalm 27. Here's what I want to say to y'all listening. Mark it. Write it down, print it, put it on your mirror. If fear is something that you struggle with, the only effective way to combat fear is with what is true. And 
if you have it in you, memorize it. Yeah. If you're reading this day on Tuesday this week, read it out loud if you can. It's amazing to me what a difference to me it mm-hmm. makes when I'm reading it out loud. When I want my kids to know something and like truly digest it, I don't say it to them. I ask them to say it, right? And it's the same way, I would like, if at all possible, read Psalm 27 aloud yeah. as a prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Verse one, I think it's this kind of if then. statement really. So it's kind of like, if the Lord is my light and salvation, then whom should I fear? If the Lord is the stronghold of my life, then whom should I dread? You know, it's kind of setting this up and uh, even just repeating verse one. (laughs) I mean, you just meditate on like, what does it mean that God is the stronghold of my life? Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And I love verse eight. It says, my heart says this about you. Seek his face. Mm -hmm. Isn't that Mm -hmm. cool? And then Mm -hmm. you have been my helper. Like mm-hmm. past tense, like we get this, like, I remember, I remember what you have done. The whole, I mean, I'm gushing now, but <laughs> Psalm 27 and like, and that's what we're like, here's the thing. I'm excited about Psalm 27. We're going to turn the page and I'm going to get just as excited about the next thing. Like, that's the problem. <laughs> Not Rachel. the problem. Yeah. Hey friends, Amanda here taking a quick break to tell you about the She Reads Truth subscription box. Rachel and I truly believe that reading daily is what helps you grow most in your confidence and understanding of the Bible. The mission of She Reads Truth is that it's to help you be a man or woman in the Word of God every day. And the She Reads Truth subscription box has everything you need to make that a reality. The goal is never perfection. The goal is to keep opening your Bibles to know God through His Word. As a subscriber, you'll get our newest study book delivered straight to your door every month so that you never have to plan what to read next or even have to remember to place an order. Many of you are already subscribers and you're telling us that just a few months in, you're seeing a change in your habits and in your hearts. We invite you to be a woman in the Word of God through the She Reads Truth sub box. Go to shereadstruth.com slash subscribe to sign up today. Rachel, it's time to talk about your girl, Hagar. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's we get do it. to be in day 10 of, so this is Wednesday mm. this week, Genesis 16 mm. and some Genesis 21. And you think this story is about Abram and Sarai, but no. there is something happening here with the least of these. Yeah. Okay. Who wants to summarize? I summarized last time. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, listen, I'll take it. But I did summarize Nehemiah. You want to take it? Okay, my turn, my turn. You um, know I'm going to interrupt you. So I'm terrible about that. Abram and Sarah have been given a promise, right? Mm-hmm. They're currently waiting on the Lord, <laughs> and they don't have any children mm-hmm. still, right? And so Sarai says to Abram, take my slave, Hagar. And yeah. this is a thing that people did then. This was... Which is not a condoned thing. In fact, we're no, going to see that not. like there are some natural consequences to that, some yeah, big regret. That's right. That was not like, not even because she was disobeying what the Lord had promised, but because it's just, that's not right. It just didn't work out very that's well. That's right. Mm-hmm. And Rachel, you had pointed out that it says in verse two that Sarah says, perhaps through her, Hagar, I can build a family. Right. Right. So I've got it. Yeah. Like I'm, we're waiting. It's taking you a little too long, Lord, to fulfill your promise. We've got this. This is the way I'll do it. And so she becomes pregnant and Mm -hmm. Sarah's jealous. Mm -hmm. It's a mess. Mm -hmm. She's jealous because she was able to become pregnant and she starts mistreating Mm -hmm. Hagar. And then, so in Genesis 16, verse seven, the angel of the Lord found her. I love that. The angel of the Lord found her, Hagar. By a spring in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur, he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She replied, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. Then the Lord said to her, go back to your mistress and submit to her authority. The angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your offspring and they will be too many to count. And the angel said to her, you have conceived and you will have a son. You will name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard your cry Hmm. of affliction. So Ishmael means God hears. Mm -hmm. And so that will be his actual name. And so she does. She goes back and this part in verse 13. So she named the Lord who spoke to her. You are Elroy for she said in this place, have I actually seen the one who sees me? So he has heard her, Mm -hmm. and he has seen her, Mm -hmm. 
and he has made promises to her. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that she named the Lord. Yeah, I just noticed that. I hadn't noticed that until right now. Is it like a nickname? Is it like, I'm going to call you this? Maybe. I don't know. Like, it just, it's not untrue. I mean, we've got a capital Elroy here in Genesis 16. I keep talking about my daughter, Hazel. So, Elroy, it's a Hebrew word, and it means God of seeing. Mm. I mean, many of y'all know, because you've heard us share our stories before, but before our daughter, Hazel, was born, we had four miscarriages and a stillbirth. And when we became pregnant with Hazel, we chose her name because it is a Hebrew name and it is Hazael, which is God has seen. Mm -hmm. And it was similar to Hagar's story. We wanted to name our daughter God has seen. Yeah. Anyway, I think that's part of why I love this, that like, have I seen the God who Who sees me? me? Yeah. 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 I wrote down in the margins, it reminded me of the story in Exodus 3, We've just done a series tracing the story of the Israelite people from slaves in Egypt to walking into the promised land. And oh, yeah. Kind of five different segments of that journey. But in Exodus 3, I wrote this down. God comes to Moses and he says, I have seen the misery of my people. Mm. I've heard them crying out. Mm-hmm. I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. Yeah. I just love, I think that's so powerful. That's the heart and the character and nature of God. I've seen you. I've heard you. I'm concerned about you. And I'm not just distant and disinterested. I've come down to rescue you. Right. I love that you pointed that out because you said that's the character and nature of God. That's not how he behaved in the story of Hagar. You're saying, no, this is is, who he is. Right. But it is his character and nature, and it is how he behaved with the Israelites. And with you. That question at the end of every day's reading yeah. is like, what does this teach you about the character of God? Right. And that's a powerful question, yeah. especially in this whole series on fear, mm-hmm. because that's the thing that you continue to lean on. That's yeah. right. This is what God's going to do, because this is who God is. This mm-hmm. is the character and the nature of God. Yeah. That's right. And so that first part of the story, Amanda, that you kind of summarized for us, the like the seeing part, but there is more, because after Ishmael is born, and also Isaac is born, and then Isaac is weaned, and there's this big feast, and the tension mounts, and Sarai says, like, Abram, you've got to just send them away. I'm jealous. It's weird. They've got to go. And God actually says to Abram, he said, just do whatever Sarah says. So what happens in chapter 21, verse 14, it says, early in the morning, Abraham got up, took bread and a water skin, put them on Hagar's shoulders and sent her and the boy away. She left and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she left the boy under one of the bushes and went and sat at a distance about a bow shot away. For she said, I can't bear to watch the boy die. While she sat at a distance, she wept loudly, and here comes the hearing. Verse 17, God heard, God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what's wrong, Hagar? Don't be afraid, for God has heard the boy crying from the place where he is. Get up, help the boy, and grasp his hand, for I will make him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well. So she went and filled the water skin and gave the boy a drink. And it goes on to explain that God fulfilled every promise that he made to Hagar and and Ishmael. But that do not be afraid is followed by, for God has heard. Yeah. Something that stuck out to me there was verse 19. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well. The well was already there. Yeah. God didn't make the well appear. And then a well appeared. Yeah. So the well was already there. For me, there's something about fear yeah. That causes it me. It blinds us. Yeah. It causes us to not be able to see reality around us. And You're right. I, I just felt like that was a powerful, a powerful statement that the well was already there. She just couldn't see it because she was gripped with fear. Um, and there's something yeah. about that. When God begins to remove the fear, we can see reality more clearly. Yeah, that's right. The thing that strikes me about this story is the connection between fear and grief. You know, yeah. one of my, this sounds strange, <laughs> And I know it does, but I'm going to say it anyway. One of my favorite books is A Grief Observed by C.S. Lewis. Lewis. It's mm-hmm. a tiny little powerful read. We'll if link it in the show notes. It's my favorite thing it's to good. say. It's no, so but good. I mean, <laughs> r- highly recommend. Yeah. If you've ever, it's a tiny little book. It's very powerful. But there's a line in it um, where Lewis says something like, no one ever told me that grief felt so much like fear. And I think hmm. any of us who have experienced deep grief in our life, you can relate to that. They go hand in hand a lot of times. Yeah. And so I I so love that 
God didn't just hear Hagar once in this story. <laughs> you know, he heard her in Genesis 16. He heard her in Genesis 21, not because those were the two times he was paying attention, but this is not like Baal in the story of Elijah, like where they, you know, said that no one heard, no one was paying attention. Mm-hmm. But we have a God, like you just said, Travis, who pays attention. Yeah. Oh, I love that you pointed that out. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I'm just drawing that connection going like, Oh, yeah. That's we did good. pray before we started recording. We did. I feel like there's something happening. I asked the Lord to teach us new things. That's so good. Uh-huh. I've already, I've learned things. Yeah. I've yeah. made notes. Okay. So, I mean, here's the thing. Every psalm is a great psalm. There's some really good psalms in this study yeah. like that the team has put to go with these narratives. My genuine hope mm-hmm. is that when we close this study book after three weeks, that it stays near by it stays so on hand good that you like listen pull it off the shelf yeah. open it up to a psalm open it up to the table of contents because mm-hmm. the table of contents is not something we made up it's based in scripture yeah. but um in psalm 34 there are two things that i loved there in verse four i sought the lord and he answered mm-hmm. me and rescued me from all my fears mm-hmm. but then there's this part in verse 10 but those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing. And Amanda and I, sometimes when we read scripture, we conclude it with, you know, thanks be to God. But sometimes we complete reading scripture with, do you believe this is true? Mm. Even when I'm reading alone at home, I'll finish reading something and then ask myself, is an opportunity to state my faith, do you believe this is true? And when I read that, but those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing, I ask myself, do you believe this is true? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's a good one to ask. That's a good one to ask. And I think it's important to point out that it doesn't say those who seek the Lord will not like anything. That's right. It says any good mm-hmm. thing. And I think that is a really important distinction yeah. in that verse. And every one of us lacks lots of things. Right. Yeah. Oh, sure. I like a lot of things. You can't see me. I lack all my hair. Right. <laughs> but evidently, it's not a good but thing. It's not, it wasn't a good thing <laughs> for me. God needs the for bald you. look is better yeah. for me. God knew that. Yeah. It's your stylist. That's right. Stylist. Trust it me, is. this is going to be good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and our good God, mm-hmm. our God who it is his nature to not just do good, but he is good mm-hmm. and defines good. Mm-hmm. Like he's the one who's in charge of. Mm-hmm. The good things. Yeah. Which carries us straight into Matthew 6. And y'all, I mean, this is the last time I'll talk about my children on this episode. We named Hazel Hazael because God has seen her middle name is Ren because he also cares. He sees us and he cares for us. And in Matthew chapter 6, the heading of this in the CSB is the cure for anxiety, which feels like a fix-it thing. And like, I think sometimes we like don't even like love that heading because it's like, well, wait a minute. But... I struggle with it. I know you do. I know you do. But then you read it and it says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. I won't read the whole thing. I promise. Don't worry about your life, (laughs) what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet the heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Mm. And Travis, you were saying any good thing. We don't lack it. And then we see Jesus right. talking to, on the Sermon on the Mount, he's saying, consider the birds. Do they lack anything? Yeah. Do they lack any good thing? And how much more will your God meet your needs? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's so good. And then I love the way this ends. And I think mm-hmm. verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and yeah. his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. And I'm not a Greek scholar, but... I think the Greek has this sense of, but continue seeking first the kingdom. So yeah. it's, not a one, it's not a one time. But first. One, yeah, just one time, yeah. seek first the kingdom of God, yeah. and then this will happen. It's That's a good. continual, like every moment, every day, continue seeking first the kingdom of God. Yeah. And then, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because right. tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day is enough trouble of its own. It's not like things aren't bad. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Yeah. And I'll say as a, you know, expert practitioner of fear, <laughs> that line has been said to me more often than once. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. And then we get to day 11. Guys, these narratives are long and excellent. They're so good. This is the day for me. I this love is this the story. One. 
Okay. Love this story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this is the story of Jehoshaphat. And Which I'm is a, so fun to say. It is. Francisco. Yeah. Jehoshaphat. Ooh, Francisco. That's fun to <laughs> say. Jehoshaphat. Okay. So Jehoshaphat, he's the king of Israel. And what's happening here is they're coming up against a great number of armies. And interestingly, these are all people groups or cities that when they were on their way to the promised land, God's very clear instruction to them at the time was, don't plunder them, don't battle with them, just keep on walking, don't look to Mm. the left or to the right. And so that actually comes back up as Jehoshaphat talks to the Lord about this, like, hey, Um, hello, we didn't pester them, like, why are they now attacking us? But here they are in this situation, and... Jehoshaphat, and, and he says, you know, like we get to Second Chronicles chapter 20, mm-hmm. and he says, Our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this vast number that comes to fight against us. We do not know what to do, but we look to you. Mm-hmm. The statement of we are powerless is a powerful statement. Just to go ahead and say, like, listen, I don't got this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're powerless. <laughs> we do not know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're going to do the only thing we can do, which is look to you. Comma, but we look to but you. But we look yeah. to you. Yeah. 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 And then God's answer to that prayer, I'll read a little bit of it. It says, all Judah was standing before the Lord with their dependents, their wives, and their children. In the middle of the congregation, the Spirit of the Lord came on, I'm going to say it with confidence, Absolutely. Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite from well Asaph's descendants. Thank you. That was very nice. Mm-hmm. It was like I did like a triple Lutz. You're welcome. Triple Lutz. That's a thing in yeah, ice skating, in, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was Absolutely. Uh-huh. Okay. And he said, and when we say he, it is the Holy Spirit has come upon this guy. Mm-hmm. And he said, so this is from the Lord, listen carefully, all Judah and all you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of the vast number, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. You will see them coming up the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley facing the wilderness of Jeruel. Verse 17, you do not have to fight this battle. Mm -hmm. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Position yourselves, stand Stand still, still, and see it happen. That's awesome. He is with you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Tomorrow, go out to face them, for the Lord is with you. Then Jehoshaphat, I love this, he knelt low with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord to worship him. It wasn't like, but God, we need like a little more clear instruction. Yep. It was like, all right, we're just going to worship then. And then we get to, you know, the next heading is victory and plunder. Can I stop you oh, there? Oh, yeah, stop me. So verse 19, the Levites from the sons of the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel, shouting loudly. So those were the the designated worship leaders of Israel. They yeah. were a certain couple families within the Levites who were designated as the worship leaders. So they're like the choir of Israel. I love it. They get up and they start singing loudly. And I think it's really powerful that they start singing praise to God before the battle has Amen. been won. Yes. That's exactly right. I love he that. already said, you do not have to fight yeah. this battle. The only thing in response to do is worship. Yeah. So they're praising God that the battle has been won yes. before the battle has been fought. Guys, this is the Michael W. Smith song that's like amazes me because it is like this super powerful praise and worship song that literally only has two lines, which like way to go, Smitty. Good job. <laughs> we recognize your greatness. But it's, this is how I fight my battles. Mm-hmm. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Mm-hmm. This is how, I f- and you might be like, how? This, what does this refer to? Praise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is how I fight my battles. Praising the Lord. Because I see you, you know, Jehoshaphat was, so he was outmatched, clearly, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't (laughs) Mm -hmm. because the battle was the Lord's. Mm -hmm. And then Jehoshaphat stands up and says, hear me, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. This Mm -hmm. is still pre-battle. He says, believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Mm -hmm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. He didn't say, you'll be established so that you will believe in the Lord. That's right. He didn't say, you will succeed so that you'll believe his prophets. It's like in Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord, and then he will make your path straight. It's yeah. not, God will make your path straight, and so then you, you can, can trust, trust in, in him. him. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. exactly right. I love right. the order of that. And then we get the rest of the narrative on day 11 where the battle is indeed won, where they watch it happen. Yeah. Can I? Yeah, uh-huh. listen, I, I, I see, say I see I, there's something. I, I yeah. love this part of the story, and I talk to my church about the TGV, the Travis Garner version, so I, I have uh-huh. imagination sometimes about what's happening in the narrative. And I think about what would I do if I were in this situation? In verse 21, um, mm-hmm. if I were sending my people out to battle, I would find like the tallest, meanest, ugliest looking guy. I'm thinking Braveheart. That's who I would send out at the front of the battle. Yeah. And Jehoshaphat sends out the worship team. The choir. <laughs> so in my mind, it's like, I would send out Braveheart, mm-hmm. and he's sending out some guys in skinny jeans the with a guitar. Choir. Right. That's uh-huh. who goes out to lead this battle. And they begin to sing. And what happens is it throws the enemy into confusion. And when they kinda, went out yeah. in front of the armed forces, they kept singing, and they sang, give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. Yeah. And, That's and the then, battle I mean, cry. You can, you can read about what happens, but there's this amazing thing that happens. You can read it. It's okay. When, when the people begin to sing. The Lord set an ambush. Yeah. That's crazy Let's just read me. it. Listen, I'm holding then, back, but I'm going to give it. Read 22, Amanda. The moment they began their shouts and praises, the Lord set an ambush. This is where I have like exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Yeah. What was that like? Against the Ammonites, Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir who came to fight against Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites turned against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, and they completely, they annihilated each other, mm-hmm. is what yeah. happened. And when they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy each other. So that when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, mm-hmm. they looked for the large army, but there were only corpses lying on the ground. Nobody had escaped. So what happened there? The Lord fought the battle. The Lord mm-hmm. fought the battle. And we looked at this passage at our church a little while back. And one of the things I said about this section was worship isn't peripheral preparation for the battle. That's worship right. is the battle. That's what happens yeah. in this story. Worship is actually the battle. Mm-hmm. And when God's people worship, I heard somebody say, I don't remember who it was, but somebody said, the enemies of God are thrown into confusion by the songs of God's people. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we, we sing some mm-hmm. things that don't make sense yeah. unless God is real and good. And so, you know, the battle is won in worship. Yeah. In, in this instance. And I think that like that speaks to me in terms of my own battle with fear. That's right. Is the more I'm posturing myself as a person of worship, the yeah. more I find that I'm or that God's winning the battle of the fear in my life and in my heart. Yes. Amen. In this section wraps with a couple of things that I love. It says then all the men of Judah and Jerusalem turned back with Jehoshaphat, their leader returning joyfully to Jerusalem for the Lord enabled them to rejoice over their enemies. So they came into Jerusalem to the Lord's temple with harps, lyres, and trumpets. And then at the very end, then Jehoshaphat's kingdom was quiet for his God gave him rest on every side. I love that. Just one verse before. I skipped like the one verse that you wanted to talk oh, about. Oh yeah, it's I'm the sorry. one I have in verse say, 26. Yeah. It says, therefore that place is still called the Valley of Baraka today. Mm. Baraka means blessing. That's right. And so it's the Valley of Fear. It's the Valley of Crisis that through the power of God has been turned into the Valley of Blessing. And I think that's Amen. like that's been true in my life more times than I can tell you. Yeah, Amen. absolutely. Yeah. I know we're not talking about day 12, but the Jeremiah passage... Chapter 17, it hearkens to Psalm 1, but it says he will be like a tree planted by water. Mm -hmm. It sends its roots toward the stream. It doesn't fear when the heat comes and its foliage remains green. It will not worry in the year of drought or cease producing fruit. I love giving y'all listening homework. This is your homework for day 12. I want you to write that little section in Jeremiah 17 in first person. That's what I did last night. And it was Mm. so helpful to me to write out, like, I will not worry in a year of drought or cease producing fruit. Mm. I am planted by water and I send my roots out toward the stream. That's nice. And so I encourage y'all, like, when you, like, engage and interact with Scripture as you read this, where it's not just like, I've checked the box, I've read the day, I've read the words, engage with it. Like, really, like, roll your sleeves up. Get your hands dirty is not the right way to say that. But, like, engage with it. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Amanda, I really want to read all of Psalm 16, but for the sake of time, Mm -hmm. as our benediction, Amanda, would you read maybe starting in verse 5? I'd be glad to. This is Psalm 16, starting in verse 5. Lord, you are my portion and my cup of blessing. You hold my future. 
The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who counsels me even at night when my thoughts trouble me. I always let the Lord guide me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My body also rests securely. For you will not abandon me to shale. You will not allow your faithful one to see decay. You reveal the path of life to me. In your presence is abundant joy. At your right hand are eternal pleasures. Do you believe this is true? I do. (sighs) Okay. Lord. Y'all, this study is going to be done too quick. I'm just enjoying it so much. And Travis, you were such a fun guest to have. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you so much. All right. We do have one tradition, and I love catching our guests off guard. Okay. I'm, I'm ready. Listen. Okay. So <laughs> in every episode, we spend about an hour opening the Word of God and finding beauty, goodness, and truth there and talking about it. And at the end of every episode, we like to ask our guest, where in your life are you seeing beauty, goodness, truth, or all three that's pointing you to Jesus? Oh, man. So right now, we are... We're moving into a building for our church for the first time. So we've been meeting in a middle school, and we have one more one more day in our middle school yeah. before we move into a building. And I am seeing beauty in the body of Christ being the body of Christ. Uh, the, yeah. the, the people in our church are just absolutely amazing. They are generous. They are on fire for God. And so when I'm around them, I'm seeing Jesus. I have especially been seeing the beauty of Jesus in music lately, yeah. in our worship times together. Mm-hmm. I've, I've just had some songs hit me in some really powerful ways. The Goodness of God is one. Yeah. Uh, there's one yeah. called New Wine yeah. uh, that's been hitting me. And then related to this this study, No Longer Slaves. I'm no that's longer right. a slave to fear. Mm-hmm. I'm a child. A child that's, that, that has just been on repeat in my mind lately. So oh, that's a good I'm one, seeing some beauty in those things. Yeah, I love that because that's one of the many wonderful things about recording a podcast and broadcasting it around the world because those listening get to hear firsthand from you that the body of Christ is alive and well in Nashville, Tennessee. Amen to that. And they get to hear that and they get to nod and go here too. Yeah. That's also true here. And we just get to like, it's the testimony of the saints to say that the mm-hmm. spirit is here and the body is alive and working. Yeah. And I love getting to give those, give and hear those testimonies. Awesome. So thank you. So good. All right, friends. Next week is our last week. It's a quick series, only three weeks. So next week is our last episode in this series. And our good friend returning as a guest is Scarlett Hiltabeitel, who has literally written the books on fear and anxiety, specifically for teen girls and women. And she's a friend of ours personally, but also just such a fun podcast guest. So look forward to that next week. And then until next week, Travis, what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles. Bibles.